Well, it's really going to throw you. There it is. A little slow. Can you see that okay? Now, this is not what you think. This does not mean you don't eat popcorn <laughs> in church. Um, but it's, it's really our attitude towards the house of God and how to be conditioned, if you will, to be receptive, to be ready when we're in the house of God. A lot of times we come to church and it's just what we do, you know? Um, and, uh, you, you know, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll use this comparison. How many of you have ever been to Fogata Chow? Fogata Chow. Brazilian steakhouse, how many, Fogata Chow, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. I have an artificial hip, and so, so no. Is it doing that again? That's crazy. No, it's because this thing's messed up. It's not in my back pocket. Okay. All right. So you go to Fogata Chow, and Fogata Chow is where they have these guys who come out with cuts of meat and uh, whatever, kind, whatever you want, and they will keep bringing it. It doesn't matter what it is. And uh, if you go at night, they will bring, night has, I think, 17 different cuts of meat. Um, if you go for lunch, and I would encourage you, if you've never been, go to lunch, because lunch is half price. It's, I think, 26 bucks to go to lunch, something like that. And, uh, and dinner, I think, is $55. I'll tell you this. I've never seen a salad bar as magnificent <laughs> as Fogo's salad bar. Never. I've, I anywhere I've ever been in my life. And I've eaten at some pretty nice places. Cracker Barrel. <laughs> in and out. <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> now I'm speaking your language. <laughs> But the thing about Fogo, and it, it really, you ought to go sometime in your life before you die. It really is that good. You, you ought to go. You can go to lunch. Listen, you, you can go to lunch. It's, I think lunch is like 25 bucks. But the thing about Fogo is, and uh, there's, there's several different ones. There's Texas Day Brazil, but I'm, they're not here in Portland. Portland, the only one they have is Fogo. They do? I haven't heard of that one. Okay. So, anyway. Um, I don't know about that one, so I can't. They, I have, pineapple. they have pineapple. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Let me get back to my message. <laughs> but when you go to Fogo, you get ready to go to Fogo. Like, you don't, you don't, you're not going to stop on the way and get something at McDonald's. In fact, when you go to Fogo, I went, when I go, and I, I, I say when I go, I, I've been once in like the last four years, so it's not like when I go, like it's, it's a regular thing. I, I go to the dentist more than I go to Fogo, if that gives you any kind of an idea, and I don't like going to the dentist either, but I'm just saying. But if I know I'm going, I don't need a thing. Nothing. I, you know, I'll get something to drink. I might drink a little protein drink just a little bit, even like half of one in the morning, I'll skip lunch because when I go, well, first of all, I want to get my money's worth <laughs> because if I'm paying that kind of money, come on, can I get a witness? Yeah. If I'm paying that kind of money, I, I want to leave. I want them to ask me to leave. 
I, I that's what I want. Um, I always, in fact, I hate taking my wife and girls, and I've d I, because they just can't eat enough. <laughs> you know, it's just it's sad. I want to say, can she pay less? And uh, my wife told me the next time she goes, she's just going to do the salad bar because she doesn't she doesn't eat all that much. But anyway, and so, but when I go. I'm not going to be filled up with everything else that I can get along the way. Are you with me? I want to make sure that when I show up at Pogo, that I'm, I'm just so ready. One, I'm ready for the experience. And then seeing those, they give you this, this uh, red disc. It's like a coaster. It's red on one side, green on the other. Red means stop bringing it. Green means bring it, baby. That's what it means, literally in Spanish, probably. I don't know. <laughs> but, but when they, and, and they'll come with filet, they'll come with lamb, they'll come with chicken, and it's all diff different ways that it's prepared. And I'm telling you, it is really, really good. Now, if you're vegan, forget it, okay? But if, if you're a carnivore, you're, you're going to think this is awesome. But my point is this, I always go, and I'm ready to go. You know what happens, I think, most of the time when it comes to the house of God? A lot of times we just, it's what we do. We just go. And the house of God should be something that is so sacred and so special that we come with a sense of expectation. We come with a a sense of this is going to be good. I'm not talking about me because, you know, I can lay eggs with the best of them and duds and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about my preaching because I, I know you've heard better preaching and you'll hear better preaching. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is coming and saying, I want to be ready for God to give me something. In fact, it, it, it's coming not only with expectation, but also recognizing our need when we come to church. Because if, if, if it only becomes part of our, our routine and it's just what we do, then here's what it becomes like. That's a great sound, isn't it? You know, it's, it, it's like this. When you're driving down the road and you're taking a pole, where do you want to stop? And if we're not careful, our spiritual appetites, we treat them the same way. What do you want? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's, uh, I, don't, I don't know. And that's kind of how we approach church. So with the Lord's help, we're going to look at a few things, and I don't think we'll finish tonight, but how to behave in God's house. And so uh, I'll, I'll have the verses up here on the screen for you because we'll, we'll shift around a little bit. But let's, let's uh, pray, and we'll uh, jump right in. <clears throat> Lord, we ask for your help and your favor. We pray that you'd guide, direct our words, our thoughts, and we'd ask you to help us and speak to our hearts, Lord, as only you can. May your will be accomplished. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'm officially a base. How's that? All right, here we go. We are in First uh, um, Timothy chapter number three. I don't, ha I don't think First Timothy's on there, but this is chapter number three, First Timothy. So if you want to follow in your Bible, you're welcome to. Now, keep in mind the background here. This is Paul writing to a young man that he's mentoring. Okay, it's always important to understand the context of Scripture. One of the big mistakes we make about the Bible 
is that we view the Bible as a Western book. It wasn't written in America. It wasn't written by Americans. It's, it's a Jewish book. Now, is it that, that doesn't mean it's not applicable to us as God's people. Far from that. But just so you understand. So Paul's writing to Timothy, a young preacher boy who, in essence, would take his place, perhaps not to the degree of influence in ministry, but he, that's what he was training for. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know, in other words, I'm going to stick around and I'm going to help you, I'm going to guide you, so that you understand how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Then he gives some background about the significance of church. It's not just kind of take it or leave it. Obviously, you're here on a Thursday night. But one thing we notice in our culture, church is becoming far more optional. We were talking in staff meeting this week. Our, our numbers of unique people coming to church are up, well up from a year ago. But our actual church attendance is just barely up. And what's, what you're finding is that people who... You know, when I was growing up, if you were faithful to church, you went at least two out of three times a week. And you would consider it. So when you go to church, you know, you considered yourself faithful. The average person in America that identifies as faithful, by that I mean they claim a church. I belong to this church, or this is my church, or I go to this church, goes twice a month. That's the definition of faithful now. And so what you find is that far more people... Churches, it's, it's, it's kind of just one of those things. It's one of many things. By the way, most people who miss church, it's not out like they're, they're living in drunkenness and riotous living. Most people who are saved people who miss church, they're doing good things. Now, they're not doing the best things, but they're doing good things. It's people who are taking time to do other things than church. By the way, and I'm not talking about you, you, you're going on vacation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who just, in a habit, regularly, church becomes kind of an afterthought. It's not an integral part of their life. They can, uh, you know, you can almost take it or leave it. And that's where our culture has drifted today. So Paul says, let me tell you something, how to conduct yourself in God's house, but then also the significance of God's house, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The is, a, it, that's a definite article. It, it means it's, it's not subject to negotiation. It's not up for debate. It's not up for private or personal interpretation. Whereas in the period of the book of Judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So what he said, he said, I want you to understand something. I'm going to help you with some things if you'll allow me to mentor you. And he says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now, I'm going over to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and I apologize, I don't have the, the actual text up here. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 5, if you're following along or you want to write them down. By the way, keep, keep in mind, the writer of Ecclesiastes was Solomon. And he writes Song of Solomon in his youth. He writes the book of Proverbs in his middle years. Ecclesiastes is the sum, it's the end of his life. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Now notice what he says, and be more ready to hear 
than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. So, the first thing that I want to address from looking at these two passages, New Testament, Paul talking to Timothy, tell him, I'm gonna, let me help you with the significance of church and our conduct, our relationship in regards to church. And then Solomon, <coughs> the wisest man, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. So you have the New Testament and the Old Testament. So the first thing that I want us to notice about both of these passages is that church ought to be a place of reverence. It really should. And by the way, that affects everything about our conduct in God's house. It's one of the reasons, by the way, why, and, and I'm not going to head down this road tonight. I'm going to save it for another day. But it's one of the reasons why what goes on in church ought to be very different than what goes on outside of church. Now, I don't mean, our, I don't mean our, that we're living two different lives and one is indistinguishable from the other. But our behavior, for instance, it's one of the reasons why we dress up more for the house of God than we do for when we're out there watching a ball game. Now, by the way, church is not a place where we sit here and we say, oh, you, you, you've got to be dressed a certain way or you're not welcome. And by the way, this guy right here is never for that. In, in, in my 30 plus years of ministry, I've been in a lot of churches. And I, sometimes when I travel, I'll go see a church just because I hear something about a church. And there was a church in a, that, that I'd heard about and so I drove 20 miles out of my way just to see if it was true. And uh, someone told me about this church, and they said, there's a church where if you're a guest and you visit and you're not dressed appropriately, they have wardrobes on both sides of the foyer. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard people say that. I'm like, yeah, yada, 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 whatever. But this guy said, no, I'm telling you, Brother Mason, this is the honest-to-goodness truth. By the way, like, the truth is different if it's the honest-to-goodness truth. <laughs> that really trumps it up, man. So um, he told me, he said, this church, he said, when you walk in, sorry, wrong hip. When you walk in, the ushers are instructed that if you're a guest and you're not dressed appropriately, they will show you a closet for the ladies and a closet for the men and they have dressing rooms for you to change accordingly. Well, I think, first of all, that's not the kind of church for me, okay? I'm just telling you, all right? So, but I thought, no, no, pe people really don't do that, do they? And the guy said, I'm telling you. So, I, I knew where the town was, and I was driving on the interstate, and I was about 20, 25 miles from there, and I, which meant I was like 50 miles, because I had to drive there and then come back, but I thought, I don't want to miss this. If this is real... I went because you know a lot of times people tell stories, you know, uh, especially preachers, right? Okay, <laughs> all right. But this, so I, so I so I drove there, and it was the middle of the week, so I thought I may not even get into the church. And sure enough, the door was locked. But I walked around to this to the side, and the pastor was was in his office studying. And I told him I was a pastor, so you know I was in ministry, and you know I I, I love churches, I love church buildings, and and I do. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And uh, uh, I, have dr I've dr I remember a church that was uh, in, uh, in uh, upstate New York. 
And they told me that it had original copper ceilings uh, from the colonial period. And I drove a long ways out of the way. And I told the guy, I said, I said, any way I could get in to see your building. So I do. I look at church buildings. But I wanted to see if this church building had this. So the guy takes me upstairs. Oh, yeah, he's, he's proud of it, man. He's, he's loving it. And so I don't even ask any questions because he's showing me his building. But I walked into the building right there in the foyer, just like this guy told me there was a sign. The sign, and I took a picture of it, but I don't have it. I, and honestly, I have looked for that picture, um, you know, but, but I can't find it. But they had a, a sign that was standing up about this high, and it was on a post, and it was a white sign with black lettering on it, and it said, we're glad you're here. Please observe the following dress standards, da, 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 yada, yada, yada. And I, I can't remember all the verbiage, and I thought, no way. And so we're walking, and so I, I go over to the side here, and the closet's here, you know? So I've got to know. <laughs> I've got to know. So I, I just, I, you know, I'm just kind of like looking around because I like church buildings. And sure enough, it was the guy's closet, and it was filled with suit coats because you had to have a coat and tie. And coats and ties are not in the Bible. In fact, I think the guy that invented them is not even going to heaven. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I, I wonder. And sure enough, it, w it was all there. And so the sign basically said that one of our ushers would be happy to help you so that you could be dressed appropriately going to church. Now, by the way, I think that's over the top. I don't, I, you know, but if they want to do that, people want that, hey, uh, you know, have at it. But I do think one thing that has happened in our culture is we've taken it so far the other way. Now, I think that's weird. Okay, that sign, that church. And the pastor, by the way, the pastor seemed like a really nice guy. And, and you know, I, but, I, but I thought, well, okay, I guess it's true. Here it is, you know. And I looked at the closet, and then he started showing me a little bit more around. I thought, yeah, you guys are weird. <laughs> now, I didn't say that to him, but I, but I thought that. So what we've done is we've allowed our culture to remove the reverence and the awe that we have for the house of God. Because we've lost the reverence and the awe that we have for God himself. And you can't separate the two. You see, when I went to my grandma's house, my grandfather's house, it was their house and they had certain rules. They just did. You didn't show up and just act like you wanted. In fact, my, my grandmother had the back room in the hallway. She made ceramics on the side. She had a, a kiln, and so she would, she would fire them and all. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Okay. And so in that room, and by the way, when I was a, when I was a little boy, that room freaked me out <laughs> because it was shelves of all these glass figurines. Some of them were painted. Some of them weren't painted. And every time I opened the door, it was like these, these men. And some of them were like Thomas Jefferson, but I don't care. They were staring at you, you know, and so I always shut the door. But if you stepped in there, everything in that room rattled. Well, you know, Grandma said you don't go in that room. And you know what? She didn't have to tell me twice. I didn't want to go in there anyway. But when I was at Grandma's house, we followed Grandma's rules. Or you answered to Grandma. Now, Grandpa, he was a little softer. You could kind of get away with things. But it was her house. And when you come to God's house, it's very important to understand where you're at. Why would Paul have said to Timothy, let me help you in regards to God's house. And I think one of the things that we have lost in our culture is the lack of reverence 
that the, the expression which we don't use very often when but the expression is keep thy foot it means to refrain it means to be in control it means to have some restraint in your conduct and in your demeanor y- you know why because you're not on the ball field you're in god's house and so and, and I'm going to get to a few things that, and again, we won't, we won't get very far in it tonight. But I'll give you a couple examples. First of all, from the New Testament. This is one of the classic ones and very easy to see this. Um, and again, we don't have the, the reference there, but it is John chapter number two, verse number 16. You know the story of the money changers, right? And said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And so it's very important to the Lord Hey, this place is different. It's unique. You don't do in here what you're doing outside. You follow me? And, uh, you know, it it was very important to the Lord. By the way, that was one of the greatest miracles in the New Testament, too, when Jesus came and turned the tables over and the money changers. um, The area that that would have occurred on would have been the size of about six football fields. It was not just some little room where he walked in and flipped the table over. And the fact that he did it and was able to do it and, and get away with it proved that he was very God. By the, not only was it a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy too, but the significant part of it is make not my father's house a house of merchandise. So um, reference, first of all, not a house of merchandise. Secondly, um, we're in Titus chapter number two and verses one through three. Notice, <clears throat> notice these verses right here. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith. We could take time with all of those. In charity, in patient, patience, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior. There's the same word again. That they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. So, He's warning us about several things. Number one, reverence, keeping your foot. That's restraint and control. And he tells them specifically, not a house of merchandise. But then he also reminds the people, this is Paul writing, of course, the book of Titus here. Um, but the, God's people ought to always be marked by holy conduct and holy behavior. It's a word we don't use much. Uh, it's almost like we're afraid of it. But really, our behavior, our conduct, the, the things we do, and I'm not going to go through a long list, but you and I should not be doing what everybody else in the world is doing. And you say, well, what about, I, I'm not even going to get to the what about this. I will say this, whatever sin crosses your mind and you want to say what about, here's what I would say first. When it comes to your sin, who gets the benefit of the doubt, you or God? And really, probably for most of us, the answer is we do. But when it comes to sin and our decisions and whether we're talking standards or whatever it is, and we think, well, I do this and it's okay and I'm not hurting anybody. And by the way, that, that, that doesn't, that's, that's not scriptural anyway. That's not biblical anyway. The Bible says no man liveth unto himself. No man dieth unto himself. Um, so, but whatever it is that we are wrestling with or struggling with and we say but hey but what about this this is okay and I'm not bothering anybody that kind of thing you ought to ask yourself am I giving me the benefit of the doubt or God when I stand before the Lord 
Will I feel better about those things that I'm doing? Will I feel better about my conduct and my life and my patterns and my habits? Will I, will I be pleased when I stand before the Lord? Or, or will I wonder, eh, you know, I'm not sure that was such a good idea when I stand before the Lord. And so we're talking about how to behave in God's house. The first thing we notice is reverence. And then uh, I want to at least get started in this one. The second one is hearing. And that is how we come to church. Because uh, we don't always hear. And I'm not talking about hearing me. I'm talking about hearing from God. There has never been a time when you have come to church that God hasn't had something for you. Never. That's not the way it works. And again, I use the illustration of going to my grandma's. There was always something. Now, you might not like it, but there was always something. Sometimes you'd show up at grandma's house, and she always had something on the stove. If you got there after breakfast, there was something left over from breakfast. Always. If you got there in the afternoon, there was a little bit of lunch left. It didn't matter. That's just the way it was. There was always something. And when it came time to eat, by the way, she ne- I don't ever remember my grandmother asking me, what would you like to eat? I don't ever remember that. And if you do that, that's fine. And I, you know, it's not a big deal, and I'm not making a big deal about it. I'm just simply saying you ate what was put in front of you, or you didn't eat. It wasn't like you had another option, and you couldn't run down to the store and or run, run down to McDonald's. I mean, I, I don't even rem- I was probably, I think the first McDonald's I had, I was probably in junior high school. I mean, they just, they, they weren't everywhere. I remember when our town got a McDonald's. And I knew, I knew then we had arrived. <laughs> I mean, literally. It, I, grew up, I grew up when you had the blue laws. I mean, literally. And most of, the, most of the country observed those. You say, what are the blue laws? The same law that Truett Cathy observed. See, when he opened Chick-fil-A all those years ago, he was just doing what everybody else in America was doing. You could... I can remember being, as a boy, you could not even get gas on Sunday. Uh, you, you couldn't pull into a service station and fill up your vehicle on a Sunday. I remember my dad leaving to go get gas on Saturday if we were going to be heading out of town for something because nothing would be open on Sunday. You weren't going to a restaurant to eat because we don't want those people working either on Sunday. We talk about how different, and I listen, I eat out on Sunday, so I'm not throwing off on anybody who does. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But my point is, when we come to church, we've got to make sure that we are ready to hear whatever God has for us. And that's coming with an appetite. I go back to the first illustration I used regarding Fogo. If you ever go to Fogo, don't eat anything before you get there. When you come to church, let me ask you this. Are we so filled with everything the world has to offer that we don't have room for anything that God might have for us? You know, sometimes we might, we might show up and we think, well, boy, that was good for so-and-so. No, it was good for you. It's good for me. And we start being uh, di- discriminating about what we're going to partake of. And, well, that, that doesn't apply to me, or I don't need that, or I, you know, and it's it's... And, and that's how we approach church. So it's very important for us to come not only with reverence, but also uh, with hearing. Um, notice the verse again back in uh, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter number five, verse number one. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. We talked about restraint. And B, notice what it says, more ready 
to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Now we go on to the second verse, and it talks about keeping silent. But the fact is, right here, it's identifying that you have to be ready to hear. There's times when my dad would say to me as a boy, are you listening? Well, sure, I was listening. I, w- I really wasn't hearing, but, I, but I, was, I was listening, and I knew that there was some communication coming from my dad, but I didn't get any of it. You know, it's, uh, have you ever driven down the road and you've dozed off and you startled, your something startled you awake and you thought, how in the world did I get this far down the road? How haven't I haven't hit nobody in the lane next to me or driven off the side of the road? How many of you have done that before? Oh, I'm so scared of driving now. Look at you. <laughs> I, I have done that. And, I, I've, and, and then for at least a few more miles, you're just, you're just scared to death awake, right? You know what I'm talking about? Well, you know, when you, when you come to God's house, God's expecting us to be so ready and so alert that it's, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. I'm not worried about anything else. I'm zeroed in. I'm focused in. Now, how does that happen? Well, I'll tell you one thing. And this, by the way, is one of the biggest hindrances in every area of our life. Now, see, since I've been here, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five texts and one phone call. I'm not that important. And neither are you. But you know what happens? We're sitting here and we're checking our scores. If it's Sunday, we're checking our fantasy football. By the way, it won't change in an hour. You know, in an hour, it's going to be the same, right? But we still check it. And, and we feel like whatever that was, hey, listen, I've been reading my Bible in the morning and my phone buzz or vibrate, and I stop my Bible reading and pick up my phone. Nobody else has done that? Just me? Okay. Then I'll, and it's almost like, hang on, God. You know, I... I I got, a, I got a notification, God. I'm sorry. I'll get back with you. <laughs> Think about that. And so when we come to church, it ought to be like this, just absolutely laser focused, not on the preacher, but on the preaching of the word of God. So whatever God has for you, I, I also believe this. I believe that whatever we face in this life, If you and I are faithful to his house, he will give you what you need to navigate it. It's always amazed me. And and again, 35 years of ministry, I've seen people that have come in for counsel or ask advice about this. I can't tell you how many times over the years. And I've thought to myself, I wish you'd been here three weeks ago. In fact, there have been times when people have come in and I've given them the outline from the message the previous week. They just weren't in church for it. Or maybe they were, but there was so much other stuff going on. By the way, it's not always bad stuff. Sometimes we come to church and we're thinking about, I hope the report's good this week. I hope my numbers are okay. I hope my mom recovers well. It's not, I'm not throwing shade. It's not everybody checking their fantasy football scores. Sometimes it's our heart and our thoughts are filled with other things that are not necessarily bad, but we're missing out on the best because we're focusing on some good things. And I'm not, I've, listen, I've sat in church before, and I couldn't tell you a thing that was said, right? 
don't don't say amen to that because you you all you all go here and so I mean, I'm just using me as a as an example, and you didn't get anything. There have been other times where I've been there and I thought, boy, God, that was just what I needed. That was exactly for me. That's not unusual with God, and it doesn't matter who you are, what you're going through, what you're facing. Whether you're coming out of a storm or everything's great or you're getting ready to head into one that you don't even know is on the horizon. God, God always has something for you at his house. But you have to keep in mind the first thing is reverence. The second thing is an attitude and a heart of hearing. I'm going to mention this last verse and then we'll be done. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 34. Blessed is the man that heareth me watching. I want to look at two words there watching and waiting Can you imagine that it sounds like this guy who is blessed is looking man he's ready and it doesn't matter what it is he wants to hear it it doesn't matter how it's going to affect him whether it's going to convict correct rebuke doesn't matter he is ready he is watching and he is waiting god calls that individual blessed man i i don't know about you but I want to be that when it comes to the house of God. Lord, thank you for giving us a few thoughts tonight from your word. Thank you for these folks again that have made the effort to be here. And Lord, we'd ask that you please help. And again, be with those who are not able to be with us. Some of them, you think of Dave especially in hospital and others. Lord, I pray that you would help them. And Lord, go with us now the balance of this week. Help us this weekend with all that's ongoing, the men's prayer breakfast and faith share in our service on Sunday. God, may, may much good be accomplished. Lord, we ask for your help in all of that. And Lord, help us to be ready to hear. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to mention real quickly, I did forget, uh, don't forget, of course, Sunday morning is first responders. But Sunday night, we have split service. So for Sunday night, uh, the ladies will stay in the auditorium, and the men will be back here. And then afterwards, we have a cookie fellowship. And uh, we always have a fellowship, but this one, we're doing cookies because it's Ralph and Mary's 65th wedding anniversary, and Ralph likes cookies. So um, that's the reason we're doing that for Sunday night. So make sure ladies bring some cookies, and we'll have a good time fellowshipping together. God bless you. You are dismissed.